in, uh, there was a Senate committee in 1967, and they came up with this, that in, by the year 1985, the average American will work 22 hours a week for only 27 weeks out of the year. 1985 has come and gone. Anybody living like this yet? In fact, when people were told this, they were really concerned because they thought, well, I don't know that that's a good idea. The, the issue we're going to have in our society is that people are going to have too much free time, too much leisure time. Anybody have too much leisure time right now? Well, the labor-saving devices came and went. Well, they're still here. But as a society, what did we do with all that extra time? We have more time to do what? Well, most of us not. Most of us are doing more work, right? That time that was supposed to be for leisure, we filled it with more and more things in our life. So instead of more leisure, we have actually ended up with more busyness, more hurry. And I think this is a huge issue. It's a huge issue for me. And I think it's a huge issue for you and our society, and because of that, we are starting a series today, and we're calling it Cadence. And the reason that I'm calling it Cadence is because since the very beginning of time, God created the world to have a certain rhythm to it, a certain cadence to it. And also, the other thing that we're going to be talking about during this series is God has also created us, human beings, to have a certain rhythm and a certain cadence as well. There is a certain pace at which we are supposed to live our life. And there's a lot of stuff in the Bible about this. And the truth is that we were not designed to live this constant, full speed, nonstop life that a lot of us live. And I understand as much as any of you that there can be a certain volume to life and a certain pace that everybody else is running. And it can be heavy. It can be burdensome at times. Sometimes it could just be a life of constant demi- just demand and chaos. And so here's what we're going to discover in this series is we're going to discover that we can live a life that's beyond the exhaustion that a lot of us experience. A life that is in step with God, with the Holy Spirit at His cadence. And what we're going to learn during this series is how to live in the rhythms of God's rest. About six months ago, my son, Josiah, he introduced me to this book, and it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And so I'm going to be pulling a lot of truth from not only the Word of God, but also from this book as it interprets the Word of God. And so much, if not all, of what you're going to hear me talk about comes from John Mark Comer and uh, Ashley Woodridge and this book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Now, I'm really apprehensive about teaching this because, like I said last week, having me teach on how to slow down is like having Hugh Hefner teach on purity. So I'm just going to let you know, as your pastor, this is a struggle of mine. If you talk to any of my staff, if you talk to my family, they're going to let you know that this is not a strength of your pastor. I'm going to be learning along with you during this series. I'm going to be vulnerable to you, okay? I've been, I've been convicted that there has to be a better way to live our lives than this hurried pace that a lot of us experience. I know I have struggled at living at the rhythm that God meant for us to 
Because so often uh, within my life, the rhythm and the cadence or, and the cadence of my life, it hasn't been determined by the Holy Spirit, but more by my impatience and my hurry and my busyness within the speed that I live my life and the cadence at which my life occurs, and well, actually that I allow it to occur. And I'm convinced that maybe, just maybe, I'm not the only one that deals with this. That I'm not the only one that, that, to be honest, just thinks, God, if just things would slow down a little bit, if I didn't just have so much all the time. And I think that this series is not only for me, but I think it's for you as well. And we're gonna look at that. And we're not gonna solve the problem today. We're gonna mainly introduce the subject today. So if you kind of at the end of today, you think, well, wait a minute, Micah, that's it? That's all? No, we're gonna go through this for the whole month of October. And we're gonna really unpack and dig down into what is God's cadence for my life, for your life supposed to be? What is our cadence supposed to be? And my, and my belief is that most, if not all of us struggle with this because so many of us, we, we live in this, this constant, fast-paced, hurried lifestyle and there never seems to be enough time for everything. We've got a hundred things in our, happening in our life and we have urgent things and simultaneously we have, we have important things in our life that may not have the same sense of urgency and that same tension, if you will, but constantly be in a hurry all the time. And, and when you think about it, what's the opposite of hurry, right? What, it's slowing down. And in so many ways, we have convinced ourselves that slow is bad, right? I am opposed to slow almost all the time. I got stuff to do. I got places to go, things. I, in fact, I listen to audiobooks and YouTube videos times two because I'm in a hurry. And slow is, is a bad word. The message within our culture is, is super clear. It's that slow is bad and fast is good. And I feel amazing about myself because I hustle all the time. But as a follower of Jesus, and I know that some of you are not, don't follow Jesus. And actually, I love that about this church that people find value in the word of God, even if they're not following Jesus at the time. But as followers of Jesus, it's not so much that we just know what Jesus taught, but it, the thing is, is that we have to live our life the same way that Jesus lived. There is a way of living, and if we can copy that, we can actually have the life that we want, the marriage that we want, the relationships we want, the career that we want, a relationship with God that we want. And when I look at Jesus on this topic and his life, here's the problem that I see. There's not one place in scripture where Jesus was in a hurry. We don't see one place where Jesus is like, hey, Peter, come on, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. Thomas, why does it take you so long to get ready? We've, we got places to go, people to heal. We got devils to cast out. We got all the things. Come on, let's go, let's go. Actually, we found the exact opposite. Jesus's pace seems so slow and, unhur and unhurried. I said, well, Michael, maybe they didn't have a lot to do. Seriously? In three years of ministry, he accomplished more than any of us will in our entire lifetime. He didn't, even ha he didn't just have to help people there. He had to help us 2,000 years ago or later. And we never find a place where Jesus seemed to be in a hurry. But when I look at my life today, there's almost never a day that I don't feel in a hurry. 
Is, am I the only one? Anybody else relate to this? Well, apparently a lot of us can because doctors actually coined, they've actually coined a new disease. They've looked at our culture. They looked at what's going on within our world and they have created a new phrase and they call it hurry sickness. It is a common illness today. It was actually coined by cardiologists. Uh, who noticed that a lot of their heart disease patients had a very common character trait. They were in a constant hurry. And so hurry sickness was defined as a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. It's this overwhelming sense of urgency and this state in which we're chronically short of time or we feel that way. And so they tend to perform every task faster. They get flustered whenever encountering, encountering any kind of delay. Well, yeah, but that's, Micah, that's people with heart disease. But how would I know if I have her, hurry sickness? Well, I'm glad you asked because there is a quiz and I'm gonna give it to us today, all right? It is six questions and I just want you to be honest with yourself, okay? Six questions. Just ask yourself, is this me? And be honest and this is not my quiz. I didn't come up with this. The doctors came up with this to diagnose hurry sickness. You ready? Number one, you treat everything like a race. What, it's not? Of course, no. In traffic, do you ever move from one lane to the other lane because it's going faster? Well, why wouldn't you do that, Mike? Of course I do that, it, you know? Or in the grocery store, are you constantly switching aisles to find out which one goes faster? This is how messed up your pastor is. I will look at the aisles. I will assess which one will go faster. And then I will get in one aisle and I'll look at the person that's equal with me in the other aisle and I will compare. And if they beat me out of the store, I feel like I've lost. That's how messed up I am. I'm mad at them. Number two, you find it impossible to do just one task at a time. You actually believe that multitasking is a real thing. You actually operate like that. I can't just focus on one thing because that'll slow me down. I got to do more. How many of you, I multitask so, I'm, I multitask so much that I forget the tasks that I'm multitasking. <laughs> Three, you get highly, highly irritable when you experience a delay. Josiah's like, dad, man, you got to relax. And I'm not talking about the normal, that, oh, that's kind of bothersome. It's like, I'm frustrated because somebody is going the speed limit. Do they not understand that you will not get a ticket if you go five to eight miles an hour over? What is wrong with you? Why is this not downloading faster? It only has to go to space and back. What's wrong with it? I need it now. Amazon, I ordered it. Two days is not fast enough. I need it today. Number four. You feel perpetually behind schedule. You feel like it or you are perpetually behind schedule. You literally find yourself running from one activity to another, one responsibility to another. Your schedule is so packed that as soon as somebody messes up your schedule just a little bit, your whole day is jacked up. You got all your ducks in a row, somebody messed with your ducks, somebody will die. <laughs> Number five. You interrupt people or talk over them. Mm. In other words, you're not a good listener. 
I'm already thinking about what I'm going to say while you're talking because you're taking way too long to say what I already know that you're going to say. And so I just want to jump in. I want to interrupt and I want to make sure that my point is taken before I forget what it is because you're talking for so long. (laughs) Number six, you're obsessed with checking things off your to-do list. We're those people. We got we to gotta check off, we got we to gotta check it off, check it off, check it off, and then you're going to add three more as soon as those are done. Right. Anybody have a perfect score? Zero out of six, you have no tendency of hurry sickness at all. No, what, so what that means is we all have a problem, not just me. Eh. <laughs> I scored myself, honestly, I don't do well. I failed miserably. I'm five out of six. I need to go to the hurry sickness hospital. Hurry sickness. Look, I don't have an excuse, but you don't have an excuse either. And here's why. Because when we study the life of Jesus, what does Jesus say is the greatest commandment? Actually, he said there were two. There was one that was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And the second one was to love our neighbor as ourselves. So you can summarize all the commands into these two, love God, Love people. Those are the greatest commandments that love define my life, your life. But then in 1 Corinthians 13, we have a whole chapter that defines what love is. And when you read this chapter, what is the first thing that he defines love as? 1 Corinthians 13, love is what? Why in the world would he list that first? I used to like Paul. I don't like him now. Why would he do that? I'm wrestling with this, guys. And and I believe that some of us need to hear this. And here's the one thing that if you don't go home with anything else, here's the one thing that I want you to walk out with today. Me too. In In the context of relationships, if love is patient, that means love and hurry are incompatible. Twist. They're incompatible. And when I think about this, I am so convicted because the people that I hurry the most, the people I'm impatient with the most are the people that I love the most. My wife, Josiah. I can give you so many examples of where your pastor is totally flawed in this area. My wife, when we have conversations, she loves life and therefore she loves the details of life. And every time she's telling me a story, and she's sharing all the details, I'm thinking, could we just get to what the point? What are you trying to tell me? Do you want me to do something? Where are we going with this? And I am as rude sometimes as to do this while she's talking. And that is incompatible with love. When we pull up somewhere, let's say we're going to the store to pick up something, and I turn off the car and put it in park. Well, Listen, this is how messed up I am. Sometimes I'm in such a hurry, I will actually forget to turn the car off. I'll put it in park and start to get out. She's like, Micah. But I'll, I'll put it in park, I'll turn it off, and then I'll wait as she gets her stuff together. I'm standing at the front of the car or I've opened the door for her. I'm standing there like, how long is this supposed to take? And if I ask her to hurry, she will actually slow down. If I, 
when we get there, sweetie, we're, we're in a hurry. We got to jump out. And it feels as though she actually slows down. She hasn't admitted to that yet, but I'm pretty sure she slows down. And all joking aside, it just convicts me to know how much I struggle with hurry. Just with the cadence of life, with, the, with, the, with my God-given cadence of life that I should have. And sometimes the way that I'm living my life is actually to realize that it's actually withholding love from those around me that I love the most. I'm withholding love from them because I'm in too much of a hurry and love and hurry are incompatible. And sometimes even the way that I'm doing my ministry, the work of God is actually hurting the people that I'm supposed to minister to because I'm in such a hurry. And I, I maybe am not alone here, but I think there's gotta be a better way. Dallas Willard says it this way. He said, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. And some of you might be like, hurry's the, the great enemy? I mean, look around, Micah. I mean, what about evil? What about sin? What about this? What about that? Are you telling me that hurry is one of the number one evils in the world? Isn't that a little, like a little dramatic, Micah? But we need to think about this. We need to meditate on it because watch this. Our enemy, we're told in 1 Peter that our enemy is a roaring lion that he's prowling around looking for something one to devour. How does a lion hunt? He doesn't show up and make himself visible. He hides so that he could jump out and pounce on them. And in my life and in your life, I think it's that if he could simply sneakily disconnect us from God, disconnect us from the life that we want. Because if we're hurried, we don't have time to, to, to listen to God and we become disconnected from God. And then we don't hear from God. We don't listen to God. And we'll live this life totally outside of his plan. So what if the devil's major scheme in this conniving way is just to dis disconnect us by drawing us into so many things that we feel like we have to hurry on that we don't have the opportunity to slow down and listen to God and love others. Look, your marriage, your dating relationships, your work relationships, all of those relationships are destroyed because you have been distracted. I have been distracted. It's, look, your attention is one of your greatest assets. And what if, what if the greatest way that the evil one can show up in our life is a bunch of notifications in your, on your phone distracting you from what's important during family time? Could, could that be worse than even a sexual temptation or an addiction? What if he is just as likely to show up in addiction to social media or to hurry than a substance? Corey Tin Boom said this, if the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. Because he can distract you, he can pull you away from God. A lot, of the, a lot of the danger in our life is not that you're gonna fall away from your faith, it's that you become so rushed and so busy that you would sacrifice the cadence and the rhythm that God has for you, that we would actually settle for a mediocre version of our faith that we would go through life just on this surface level as opposed to living life. So 
What's the answer? So how do we get into this rhythm that, that God has for us, this cadence that he meant for us to walk in? How do we do that? And a lot of us, we think we just need more time. Like if I just had two or three hours more a day, or if I just had one more day a week, I've actually said this, if I just had one more day a week, I'd solve everything. But do you know, if I had more time in my week, do you know that wouldn't solve any of my issues with hurry and the cadence of life? Look, if, if I could somehow, I believe in miracles. So if I could somehow have the miracle of one more day a week, it would not help me. In fact, it would probably make my life worse because what I would fill my time with, what we would probably fill our time with, with that one extra day is what we're already filling our time with today. And it would, might even make us even more burned out. Go look at your screen time on your phone, your Netflix time or whatever it is. Did you know that your, uh, the, when people, the most screen time that they have is usually during the day off. The day that you're supposed to have more time is the day that sometimes we, we spend time doing the things that suck the life out of us even more sometimes. We've got more, we have more time-saving devices than we ever have had in the history. We have maps, we have Google Maps and, and, uh, and Apple Maps that gets us places faster to save time. We have more time-saving devices than ever in human history. It wasn't that long ago that I was going to bed and I just realized, wait a minute, I just started the robot vacuum. I just started my dishwasher that's washing my dishes for us. I started the washing machine that's gonna wash my clothes for us. And now I'm gonna start the Instapot that's gonna cook for me while I sleep so that I can save time. So why is it that we feel like we've got less time than we've ever had? We've got more time in our day. If God could just give us extra time, that's not the answer. In fact, Ephesians chapter five, verse 15, this is Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. See, according to the apostle Paul, when culture shifts and people are turning away from God, which is, I believe, what we're experiencing in our culture today, one of the answers that Paul says we need to look at is make the best use of your time. This original Greek phrase here, it literally, it means to, Paul says you need to redeem the time, to redeem your time, to buy back your time, to take advantage of your time. What if you could buy back the time within your days so that you could live the cadence, the lifestyle, the rhythm that God wanted you to live. God has already given us all the time that we need to accomplish everything that we need to, which means if I don't have enough time in my day, if you're not, you don't have enough time in the day, we're taking on things that we were never meant to take on. So we gotta, we gotta learn to redeem our time to not live this overfilled, crazy, rushed life. So today, I wanna to show you a verse that Jesus said about this whole topic. And this is gonna be the, team, the, the theme verse for this, uh, for this series. I'm gonna read it every week. And I would actually encourage you, maybe depending on how you did on that quiz, to memorize this. Listen to the words of Jesus. It's Matthew 11:28. 28. He said, come to me. 
all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? We could use some of that. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle, I'm humble in heart, and you will find, once again, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I wanna go through this, uh, this verse and pop the hood on it and kind of dig in a little bit. And the first thing is that who does Jesus say that this rest that he wants for us, who is it for? It's not for the religious people. It's not for the super holy people. It's not for the pastors only. It's for all of us. So no matter how far you feel from God, I'm telling you, Jesus wants more for you. It's for all of us. But to have this rest that Jesus wants for us, what do we have to take on? He says, take my yoke upon you. Now, what is he talking about when he's saying a yoke? So this yoke that Jesus is talking about, it looks like this. And in Jesus's day, this would have been very familiar. First century audience, everybody would have known what a yoke was. It was actually an instrument that is used for work for farming. And you could take two oxen and you could put them in the yoke and you could use this yoke that, where they could do more together and it would ease the burden on each other as they plow through like a field together. And it was easier and it was lighter on each animal because of the yoke. And Jesus is saying, I, take on my yoke with me and with me, I'm gonna make it light and less burdensome through your life. Now, one, Jesus is not saying, be lazy and don't do anything. Because remember, a yoke is for work, okay? So Jesus expects us to be productive. We can live our life with the proper cadence and still be productive. But what he's saying is, if you put on my yoke, I'm gonna make it lighter, better, easier, and you can still rest in the middle of being productive. Jesus didn't say also is, hey, look, everything's gonna be easy. He said, no, but when you're plowing through life and even the hard ground of life, he's saying, I will allow you to live a life that is still restful and still fulfilling. Doesn't that sound amazing? Now, what I wanna do is I want to read this verse from the message paraphrase, same verse. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Religion hasn't helped you any. Come to me. Get away with me and, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn from the unforced rhythms, that cadence of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And this is what we're gonna be doing during the series is we wanna have a way of living that allows us to live freely and lightly again. And I think that this, this could be the most powerful series that we do all year. And I, here's why. So many of us struggle with this. Well, Mike, I can relate. I feel the pain. But what do, we, like, what do we do? What is the cadence of God? How do I get into that flow to where I can have this flow, that yoke, so I can have it an ease in my burden? Well, that's what we're gonna discover during this month, every week this, this month, as we talk about walking in the cadence of God. 
But before I let you go today, I want to challenge you with something. I want you to take inventory of your life just this week. Take an audit at the end of every day. How rushed, how impatient maybe you are. And maybe you can look at these six things in this quiz. And at the end of every day, just ask, how often, how often did I treat everything like a race? Two, three, four, five, six. And I think if we can identify this, it will, it will help us in the weeks to come. Maybe you need to apologize to some, some people like, I, like I've had to do. But in the, in the next coming weeks, we're going to learn from the life of Jesus. We're going to walk with him. We're going we're gonna to emulate him in how to walk in patience, how to actually walk in love and a lack of hurry so we can have the relationships that we want to have and the peace in our life that we want to have. Now, this right, you might want to take a picture of this. You can also find it where you find our notes every week, lwfc.org slash notes. This is there. Um, or, and you can find it on our, the Church Center mobile app that, that we tell you about every week. But I want to encourage you at the end of every day, set a reminder on your phone near your bedtime to just go back and look. And this week, take takes take account take an audit of how you're doing would you stand with me